In today's podcast episode, I'm going to answer your questions on growing your business. Coming up. And welcome back to another Q&A episode here. I just take your questions from the DMs on Instagram, the comments on YouTube, the emails that are sent in, and I will kind of put them into a list and just answer them one by one. They're no in particular order. I have quite a few Q... No, actually, I have like three or four. It's, actually not, it's, not, it's not even that many. So let's go ahead and just get started. I have uh, quite a few questions here that I'll get through. Um, so these are business focused, so there's not much detailing related. So this is just going to focus on growing your business. So first question here is in marketing. It's, do you believe SEO is the best marketing channel versus all others? And I know where this question is coming from because my, my you know, as in what we've done in, in our business is our primary marketing channel is SEO, search engine optimization. And that's when you rank your website on the first page of Google for specific keywords. Now, I have an online course, SEO for Detailers. Um, I have, uh, like, on my Instagram accounts, on the highlights, I have an SEO little highlight where I teach you that. So my emphasis in my business and what I teach is SEO. Now, does that mean SEO is the best channel to grow your business, that it's the end-all, be-all, that this should be your primary focus? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As I've been saying, whatever channel you decide to focus on, that's the channel that will get you to success or at least get you closer to the goal that you want to achieve. So if you want to focus in on Instagram, well, Instagram will work. If you want to focus on Facebook ads, well, Facebook ads will work. If you want to focus on on SEO, then SEO will work. If you want to focus on Google ads, well, Google ads will work. So it's whatever you spend your time and energy on. If you just, you know, nilly-willy, uh, spend an hour a week on SEO and you're like, hey, I'm not getting the results that I want. Well, yeah, you're not giving the platform the respect that it requires and the discipline it needs to actually get the results that you want. And that applies for every platform, every channel, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, TikTok, whatever channel there is now, is that if you're not giving it the time and energy that it demands, then you can't expect to get good results out of that channel. So is SEO the best Form of marketing to grow your detailing business? No, it's just one of many. And the only way that you're going to see any success on any channel is by being disciplined and giving it the time and attention and energy that it requires to get the type of results that you want. That's actually looking online, reading uh, uh, blog posts, it's watching YouTube videos, it's listening to podcasts, it's, you know, perhaps even buying a book, buying an ebook, buying. Um, some online course, buying a guide, buying or hiring a coach of some sort. So it's it's actually putting in the effort to make sure you're getting the best results possible. Anything short of that, and you're not going to get favorable results. So uh, question number two is, have you ever been in contact with a small dealership for your services? And when you tell them your price and they're only willing to pay a fraction of what you charge but still want the work done, what do you do? So we are not fans of dealerships. We don't try to target them. We, If we do get contacted by a dealership of any size, not small, but any size dealership, um, and they want to talk to us, we can already assume that it's not going to be favorable. Generally speaking, dealerships want the most work at the cheapest price 
in the quickest time, right? So not only, you know, if you charge, I'm making up numbers here, if you charge 200, whatever, a detail, they're going to want it at like 150, 125, 100. Um, and if you schedule out your calendar and, you know, your next availability is, you know, Friday, which is four days away, or next Friday, which is a week and a half away, they'll want it done tomorrow, right? And if they give you a call and they're like, hey, we have this car here, we need you to take care of it, they want you there now. So I, you know, if there is a dealership that is willing to pay our retail price, that is willing to get on the calendar like every other customer, that understands quality and knows that there's no special treatment and we're not going to bend to their criteria of what they want out of a detailer, then we'll entertain the idea. But as far as like, do we target them? No. Do we care about them? No. Do we plan on building out a, you know, a Rolodex of dealerships that we're managing? No, absolutely not. So if you're getting contacted by a dealership and you're just getting started and you're like, man, like I really want the work, I really want the money, you know what? Do it. You know, like you're just getting started, you want the revenue, you want the experience, you want the exposure. So is there anything wrong with that? You know, short term, no. Long term, yes. But if that's the opportunity that you have right now, you're looking to make some more money, you need to create some more opportunities, and you know, by me by all means, do it. It's when you let the dealership start to control you and that becomes your main account. And instead of focusing on growing your business and getting retail work where customers are paying your full price and you're dealing with a dealership that's paying lower prices, that's giving you a lot of work so you're busy and you're like, wow, this is going great. But if you lose that account, if you lose your primary source of income, which is one client, which is one dealership, then you're back to square one. You don't have a business again. Which is why I wouldn't say, like, focus in on growing your dealership accounts. I'm like, if you're set up for that, that's fine, that's great. But I'm saying is, if you're just getting started or you're looking for more work, and then that dealership opportunity turns into more and more, and then you're so clouded on handling just their work that you forego paying attention to your retail work, that's when you can get into some trouble, and you know, and you won't notice it until it happens because if you're getting, you know, they're giving you. I don't know, 10 cars a week, right? And you're, you know, they're charging, you're charging them 125. And even though it's lower than your premium rates for your retail customers, because they're giving you so much work, you're still making a pretty penny. And yeah, your hourly rate isn't all that great, but hey, the work is there and you're making money. But once they go with another provider, once they cut you off, once they decrease the vehicles per week or per month, that's when you start feeling the pain. And, you know, everything will be going great until it's not. And then you're like, whoa, where do I, you know, where do I get the other customers? Where do I make my money? Where am I supposed to do now? So just keep an eye on that in that regard that you can't just be so focused in on the work that the dealership gives you because once it's gone, what do you do next? Okay, so number three, um, I was wondering how you handle situations when clients are set and scheduled, okay, yet when you arrive, they failed to be there. After numerous calls and text messages, they still don't respond. Okay, so, you know, you schedule someone on the books, you show up, you know, Tuesday, 9 a.m., and they're not there. You call them and text them, and they're not responding. Well, what do you do? Okay, so, in all honesty, all transparency, I think this may have happened to us, you know, in the last three, 400 customers, maybe once, 
And by once, I mean the customer was late, but they did not show up. So I honestly could not give, like from personal experience at least, I could not say, yes, that's also happened to me. But what I can say, or at least uh, ask you in return, is what are you doing to ensure that the customer is going to be there? So if it's, if it's Monday today and you book a customer for, let's say, Friday of the same week, right? So basically four days later. Do you do you confirm the customer's appointment? Did you say that? Let me see. Um, let me just confirm. Yeah. So, do you confirm the customer's appointment one or two days before the detail? Right. Do you text them? Do you call them? Do you email them? Say, "Hey, Johnny, are we still on for tomorrow or Friday, whenever the you know whenever the date is at nine a.m." Right. And if they don't respond to you, do you still go out there? Because for us, if they don't confirm their appointment, we don't go out to them. Because how are we supposed to know if you're going to be there if you didn't confirm? So I'll, I'll break down how we do it, okay? So we book them into the calendar, right? So we, we, we have a, a, a few criteria. Not criteria, but as, as far as like there's, a, there's two different paths that we can take. One is once they book with us, I mean, I'm sorry, if the appointment is scheduled at least like five days in advance of the, of the current date, so I say it's the first and we schedule them for the ninth, then we will send them a booking text message saying, hey, we've entered your details into the calendar. Okay, so that way, one, they already have a notification saying or a message saying, hey, your schedule has been booked. After that, automatically through our uh, field service uh, management software, which is Jobber, it sends them an automated email three days before the appointment and an automated text message one day before the appointment. All they have to do on either one is just click confirm. Now, this is all automated. If they don't click confirm on the email or the text message, the automated message, then we'll personally reach out to them the day before and try to confirm one last time. If they don't pick up or confirm, we will not go out to them because how are we supposed to know they're still available? We sent them an email, an automated email. We sent them an automated text. We sent them a personal text. And if they don't respond to any three of those communications, how can we be certain that they still want us to do the work? So we will not go out if it's not confirmed beforehand. So that's what I pass on to you is that are you doing, um, and when I said two paths, I mean, if they're scheduled maybe let's say four days in advance, we won't send them the the initial book confirmation just because we don't want to like spam them with so many like, hey, your confirmation, hey, your appointment, hey, your con-, you know, we don't want to do that. So that's why I said there's two paths. But yeah, the thing I can ask you is, are you confirming to your customers if, you know, are you confirming their, their, their appointments? Um, because that's, that's going to play a big role as well. Now, let's say you do, you do all that jazz and you show up and they're still not there. Well, one, you know, what I always say, um, or at least I always think is you don't want to come from an assumption of, you know, negativity, meaning if, if they're not responding to you, if they're not there, if they're not showing up, if you knocked on the door, you know, whatever the case may be, don't uh, automatically assume that they're ripping you off. Don't assume that they're just blew you off because you're not important. Don't assume that they just were careless and they're like, ah, whatever, I'll just not show up because you don't know the true reality of what happened to them, right? It could be a family emergency. It could be they actually have to work, you know, the graveyard shift and they just haven't had a chance to wake up, whatever the case may be. So don't come from an assumption of something, you know, they're just trying to 
you know, pull a fast one on you because then from there, you're already starting from a bad point when you do come in contact with that customer again. Uh, but aside from that, if we go out there and we're contacting, calling, texting, and we knock on the door and they're not answering, you know, what is there really that you can do? We're just going to go on to the next customer. That's really it. I mean, that is literally what we'll do. This is a business. You're not going to have, you know, A-star customers every single time. You don't know what happened with the customer and why they're not there. They might call you later and they're like, oh, my God, Johnny, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. It's because yada, yada, yada. Can we please reschedule? I'll even compensate you for the time for for you coming out today. You don't know what's going to happen. Okay, so for us, we will just, you know, take that L, take that loss and, you know, go on to the next customer. That's literally all we would do. We wouldn't change much. Okay, so next question here. Let me take a sip of water. So next question here is, I have a website. I have a website set up that I get a lot of calls, but I'm limited to details because I have a full-time job. I rank between one to four on Google with my Google My Business listing, but I miss a lot of opportunities. Can you give me some personal tips on how I can either go on my own or manage clients so they don't go anywhere else? So... This is what you call the ideal situation where you have a full-time job, so you have a steady steady stream of income, and your business is actually generating a lot of leads and, and you know, some you know, assuming uh, customers, paying customers. So that's great. You are in an ideal situation. This is what I would push for 99% of all the detailers to be in first. Don't just quit your job and be like, oh, I'm so motivated. I'm so, you know, pumped. I believe in myself. I'm going to quit my job, you know, put $10,000 into the business and I'm just going to go for it. That's not how it works. You want to take calculated risk like this person did. So good job on this person for being able to get on the first page of Google, generate those leads and still have the full-time job. This is what you want to do. Now, from here is where you want to play it not safe, but you just want to be, again, you just want to continue to be calculated. Um, You know, it depends on your goals and what you want to do. Like, do you want to be full-time on your own? Um, Is that a goal of yours? Because depending on the job that you have, right, like, could you ask for part-time or reduced hours? Could you get another part-time job that's 20 hours and focus the other time on your business. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can go about this. One thing I would focus on and I wouldn't let go off the gas is continue to do what you were doing to generate those leads in the first place, right? Like don't get, don't let go of, don't let off the gas on generating more customers, more leads, because that's going to be the lifeblood of whatever you're doing. And I would say it is not bad to like, it's okay to miss a lot of opportunities because it's more important. It's going to sound weird. It's, it's more important right now where you are to create the opportunities versus taking on the opportunities. Okay. Like you're already in a great position that you're getting a lot of calls. So just keep the calls coming. Even if you can't service all of them, which you can't just keep on doing the activity, the marketing to continue to bring on those calls into your business. Now, what it's going to take to actually like leave your full-time job in order to, you know, do detailing full-time. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to say because I have no idea. I don't have any other information, but um, because it's, it's like, even if you are getting those calls, it's not like you're going to, again, it depends on how much you're making at your day job and all that jazz, but it's not like you're just going to hop into your business and, 
even though you are getting all these calls and stuff, it's not like you're going to be able to replace your income instantly. And if you have kids, mortgage, insurance, all these, you know, adult things, then it's a lot more difficult to just, you know, jump the wagon and go into your business. But I would say if there is a way like on your off days, can you, you know, get more cars to come to your place and you keep them overnight and you work on it over a few days? Can you get someone to help you on your off day? So instead of doing one or two cars, you could do three or four cars per day and get through more cars. So there's a lot of ways you can go about it. Just You have to get a bit more creative, but kudos for you for being in that situation. Okay. Uh, question number five is what app do you use to invoice customers and accept tips right now? We're using square to accept payments. It's very easy. I mean, you literally just sign up, you enter your bank account, you get the square reader and you're good to go. Now I would say if you want, like there's, I get, I get a few DMS every now and then of like, Hey man, I just accept cash because I don't want to pay taxes and yada, yada, yada. You could go that route, but the problem with that is you'll never build a real business if you're just accepting cash and you don't take card and you don't pay taxes. I mean, you know, it, it depends on your goals and your aspirations and stuff, but you can't build a real business without paying taxes, without accepting card, only accepting cash. Um, it, it, there's a lot of other things, a lot of, you know, not problems, but things you'll run into if you're trying to grow a real business where you just can't have that type of operation. Now, if you, you know, if you're doing this legit or quote unquote legit, what you actually want to do when you're starting your business is you want to create a separate bank account just for your business expenses. So instead of, you know, if you want to accept card, you literally just have to open up a separate uh, um, checking account. It doesn't necessarily have to be business. The key part you have to focus in on is separation between personal and business. So do I, am I saying go to you know Chase Biz, Chase and open up a business account? No, what I'm saying is go to Chase or whatever bank institute and open up an account, whether it's personal, right, like a personal checking, but dedicate that che- that personal checking account to business use only. So you have the separation between personal expenses and business expenses, and then you'll put that bank account onto your Square. And now any payments that you receive will go into that bank account and you don't touch that money unless it's for business use. You don't want to use your personal bank account to accept business uh, revenue because then you're just commingling those two things and that's not good. And then at the end of the year, it's way more of a headache to do your taxes and all that jazz. Um, So get a separate bank account. You know, a personal checking could be fine, but only use it for business use. Okay. Um, here we go. And number six, I really want to start my business, but I feel like a lot of things are holding me back. I have a small sedan. I want to attend a paint correction class and I don't have all that much money. Any tips on how to start? Let me take a sip of water here. Yeah. So those are great questions. You know, many of us will be in that same predicament of, man, I really want to start, but I just feel like I'm being held back or I feel like there's a lot of obstacles in my way that I have to overcome to just start. And, you know, one important thing to note is that you're not special in the sense of you're not the only one going through that type of situation, right? If you, if we were to get everyone from the YouTube comments that wants to start a business and you lay out their problems, each person will have a different problem. Each person will have a different obstacle to overcome. So it's it's good to understand 
that you're not the only one that's going through trouble, that's going through problems, because now you don't feel alone, right? So 99% of people that have started their business or that want to start their business are going through some type of problems, obstacles, hurdles that they have to overcome. Now, that's all fine and dandy, but what do you do on the next steps to actually get through it? So going back to his his uh, question here is, I feel like a lot of things are holding me back. I have a small sedan. Okay, with that one. Well, a small sedan, yes, I can see how you're limited on space, but I started with a 2003 Toyota Matrix XRS. That's probably a little bigger than your sedan. Nonetheless, it was still just a wagon. I would fold down the back seats and I would fit as much as I could. And let me tell you, it got the job done. Customers never complained. Yes, it was a tight fit. Yes, it was annoying loading and unloading every day. Yes, I wish I had a bigger setup at the time, but look, I started with what I had and I was able to do what I did with what I had. So same thing with you. And, you know, now I'm, I'm seeing more and more people start up with their sedan, with their, you know, um, little truck, with their, you know, even even um, like a, what was it, a Jeep Wrangler or a Jeep Renegade. So don't be, you know, don't be alarmed or don't think like, oh, I need a big van. Like it, it, it doesn't work that way. Like we had, we were using, if you've seen my Instagram or my YouTube channel, depending on when this episode goes, goes up, we acquired, we bought a new van. We bought a 2015 ProMaster 1500. Um, but before that, we were using a 1997 Dodge Ram. I'm sorry, 1999 Dodge. It was a 1999 Ram Caravan, Dodge Caravan. The paint was chipping. The paint failed. It would lean on one side. There were so many mechanical problems with it, but we got the job done with what we had. So, st- like, so with that in that regard, that you have a sedan, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I again, I I agree with you. If it's a 350Z and you're super limited on space, yes, it's annoying. But can it get done? Can you figure out a way to just get started with what you have right now? Without saying like, oh, I need a different van. I need to, you know, go buy a vehicle. I need to do all this. Yes, you can. Uh, the next part to that, he said, I want to attend pain correction classes. Again, you don't have to offer every single thing under the sun when you get started. If you can just offer a basic wash, we'll just offer a basic wash. If you can only offer a uh, basic interior cleaning, we'll only offer a basic interior cleaning. If you can only offer XYZ, then just offer XYZ. And as your business grows and as you get more experience and as you acquire more tools and products and as you gain more experience and confidence in your skill set, then at that point, you can actually take a step further and say, okay, I started off with a basic wash and now let me offer a wash and wax. Let me offer a basic wash with a spray wax. You know, let me... You know, I was just vacuuming and wiping down interiors. Well, now I can actually clean leather. Now I can actually shampoo the seats and floor mats. So don't think about it as like I have you have to start with everything that you, you know, with everything that you can because that's what customers want. No, it's not that way. It's you start with what you can based on your tools, products, skills and experience. So if that is so if that is just a, a car wash, that's fine. Go do 10 of them. Go reinvest that money in some more tools and products, get more experience, and then offer another set of services. So it's about the progress. It's not about perfection. I keep on saying that in so many videos where think about it as a stair step, right? Your first step isn't to get to the very top. You just want to take the first step just to move a little bit higher, a little bit closer to your goal. So 
Start off with what you can, whatever that may be. It does like you don't have to offer pain correction in your business. At least not yet. In the future, you can. In the future, you can offer wet sanding. In the future, you can offer ceramic coatings. You can do all that, but you don't have to do all that right now. What you want to do is just get started and just move a little closer to your goal. That's the name of the game. You take the little step, you get some progress, you get some traction, you get some motivation, you get these small wins under your belt. And day after day, week after week, things just get a little better, things get a little better, things get a little better. And sooner than later, you're able to get a bigger arsenal, more tools, more products, more training, and then you can go and do whatever you want because now you've kind of grown to that point. So I'll end it right here. Um, Again, if you want your questions answered, just shoot me a DM on Instagram. You can send me an email. You can leave a comment on YouTube. Doesn't mean I'm going to reply, but I will queue it up into my little logbook here and I'll eventually get to it if it's a question I haven't answered yet because, you know, a lot of these questions are questions I've answered in other forums. So, you know, if it's like, how do I get customers? How do I, you know, do X, Y, Z? And I've answered it like 10 times already. I'll probably, you know, not answer that one. But anyways, send me your questions. I'll be more than happy to look at them and see which ones are the good ones that I can answer on podcasts or YouTube videos. You can follow me on Instagram at Detail Groove. Uh, you can download the ultimate guide to start your detailing business in the show notes or go to my website at um, detailgroove.co. But other than that, I will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.